Thank you for joining us on That's a Good Question, a podcast where we answer your questions from last Sunday's sermon at Peace Church. We hope that these answers will encourage you and help you see the depth and beauty of the gospel. Let's dive into this week's questions. Hey everyone, welcome to That's a Good Question. I'm Pastor John. Pastor Aaron, great to see you all. Thanks for joining us today. We got some great questions following yesterday's sermon. Uh, We got some great questions talking about sin and how we address it in our own lives, as well as talking about the gospel and how we share it. So we're going to dive right in. Here we go. Question number one, does sinning intentionally mean I have no faith or a weak faith? Uh, So I thought this was interesting when I read this question. I don't know if you thought of any examples of what somebody might be referring to. Uh, I don't think of any specific examples, but my initial response is just, yes. (laughs) I think if you know what God says and you dive into sin anyways, then that does mean that you have uh, some weakness or an unhealthy place in your relationship with God. Now, all of us sin, none of us are perfect. Jesus was the only perfect person. So um, yes, all of us are gonna have sin in our lives, but if you if you see sin, if you see the line and you jump over it anyways, you know, that's not right. a good thing. That's a, right. that's a bad mark in your walk with the Lord. Right, and that's really how I took it as well. Um, but what came to mind for me is this idea of seeing God incorrectly, right? So if we, if we want to sin intentionally, something's off in our view of God, right? We have his characteristics and maybe we're elevating one characteristic over another characteristic of God. And we we see this in our, our culture now quite a bit, right? We elevate God as love and that becomes his defining characteristics. And the other characteristics are then subservient to God as love. Right. But so to me, it's like um, being able to see who God is. God is love, but he's also just. Yeah. And those things inner work or interplay perfectly. Yeah. And so when I hear a question like this, I always have to ask, you know, who who or how do you view view God's character? Yeah. And what is maybe sticking out more for you yeah. than someone else? Does That's that a really sense? good point. That's a really good point. Yeah. Um, I think of uh, Romans six. I mean, the apostle Paul is kind of addressing that. Mm. He talks about uh, grace abounding even more. The more we sin, the more grace the Lord has for us. But then he says, does that mean that we should sin more? And he says, by no means. Uh, right. So that's not the that's not the math is there's more grace. The more I sin, so I should sin more. No, right. that's not the answer. That means that you have an unhealthy walk with the Lord. Now, so thinking of some specific examples, maybe some, maybe the person is talking about uh, an addiction to a certain type of sin, uh, an ongoing struggle, because a lot of us have those. Uh, I think a one that we talk about with men very frequently, which is pornography. So if somebody has an addiction, a habit towards pornography, um, and so maybe they're thinking, I know that that's sin, but I keep jumping into it anyways. Um, I would say that that's still, like we said, an unhealthy place in your walk with the Lord, and you want to get some help with that. Um, But I also say that I think is a little bit different because it's not like you're seeing the line and just saying, I don't care. I'm going to do it anyways. Mm -hmm. It's something that you're falling into, getting sucked into. Still not good. You need help. Um, We have actually a group at Peace Church that uh, works on that. Um, And so contact our men's ministry, get connected with them. And uh, likewise, women uh, contact the women's ministry. But we have specific programs to help people um, try to work through that. But maybe that's an instance I'm thinking of. But if you're somebody who's seeing the line and saying, I don't care, I'm going to jump over it anyways, then yeah, um, 
man, there's something something going on wrong with that situation. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. Great question. All right. Uh, oh, a couple of passages I wanted to share related to that, just to back all this up, is uh, I think of in First John, Jesus says, "If you love me, you will obey my commandments." Um, so, man, if you aren't obeying God and you're intentionally disobeying Him, then are you really loving the Lord? Think of uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 says, if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. So a very serious passage about if you have the, if you have the Holy Spirit in your heart and you go on sinning, then do you really have the Holy Spirit in your heart? Right. Have you really been saved? Right. Um, so some questions. And that gets yourself. into that space of justifying the behavior. Yeah. Right. And so as soon as you make that transition from, you know, uh, grace covering the sin to a justification for yeah. behavior, then you're automatically um, off the rails. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Second one related to that. Here we go. I know this isn't true, but it sounds like God is allowed to break his own commandments, but we're not. So help me understand this better. Great question. Love the way that was asked. Yeah. So remember back to the sermon that Pastor Ryan preached on Sunday. Um, we talked about uh, the three groups of 50 that come to Elijah and then fire comes out of heaven and destroys uh, two out of the three of those groups. And so Pastor Ryan shared that um, God is allowed to do that, um, namely smote those groups of 50 men. Uh, but yeah. we are not allowed to do that. We don't get to just this decide we're going to yeah. go kill people. Yeah. So how do you think about that? Yeah, I think, well, initially there's a difference between murder and killing yeah. right and so it's this idea of murder is an unjustifiable yeah. killing and so but then that begs the question of what is justifiable killing yeah. and if anyone can justifiably kill it's the perfect judge right yeah and so the one who sees all knows um you know the inner workings of our heart and and to be able to trust in his i think what pastor ryan said was trust in his righteous judgment. Yeah. And I think that's the key factor. We yeah. we are unable to go to that that place of righteous judgment right. to make that kind of a decision and and God is. Right. right. Exactly. The scripture tells us that God is righteous. Um, yep. He doesn't do evil. I thought of uh, J James 1:13 that says God can't be tempted by evil nor does he tempt anyone. So when God is is bringing fire out of heaven and consuming those men, he's not breaking his own commandment because he's righteous. Right. So he's not doing something evil. Um, I think what Pastor Ryan was saying is that not that God is allowed to do evil because he can't do evil. He's the very definition of good, but that there are some things that God can do that are not evil, that if we were to do them, they would be evil. Yes. Right. It's, uh, you know, yeah. The scripture says, you know, God says vengeance is mine. Um, not us. So we don't get to, we don't get to go out and just decide somebody's unrighteous and so we get to kill them. But God, right. if he decides that that's the time, then he gets to execute that justice and that's okay. One more thing there is you think about satisfying God's wrath, right? And so as, as a believer, God's wrath was satisfied by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, mm -hmm. right? But one of the ways he still pours out his wrath and, and perfect judgment is even by giving one over to their debased mind is yeah. what it says. Right. Yeah. And so, so in these kind of things, it's, it's not just that God kills for, you know, the fun of it. That's not what's going on. He's working out his perfect plan as yeah. Pastor Ryan mentioned. And so, and that can take, that can look in so many different, that can look like, um, you know, 
the justifiable killing, but it also can look like, you know, the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. Yeah. And both of those things are pouring out his wrath on, uh, pouring out his good wrath on yeah. the people. Yeah. Right. Something you said in there also made me think of this, that every sin will be punished either by the, the suffering, the death of the individual who sinned That's or right. by the death of Jesus on the cross. You kind of alluded to the crucifixion there. Yeah. So either all sin gets paid for either by Jesus on the cross or by us. That's suffering exactly hell. right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. Next question. Here we go. Some questions about evangelism, sharing the gospel here. All right. Do you have any practical advice for sharing the gospel when my only encounters with non-Christians are passing interactions in public places? And we had a similar question also that said, uh, I see several patients in a day um, and I have about an hour of time to discuss with them. I have a captive audience because my hands are in their mouth. Now I'm assuming that's because they're a dentist. I don't, <laughs> I, I hope, that's, I hope that that's what, that's, <laughs> that's what's going what on. We're reading about. Yeah. Uh, they say that they've shared their testimony and discussed faith with several of them. Uh, but do they have to do that with every patient? All right. So that's the mm-hmm. question. Um, I thought of some things right away for the first person who says, I only interact with a limited number of non-Christians. My first thought was just, well, let's go find some more non-Christians for you to hang out with. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Uh, have your neighbors over for dinner. Um, go join a club. Go volunteer somewhere. Um, my first reaction is just to say, well, let's let's get some more non-Christian friends. Yeah. What you say? Totally agree. I think um one of the one of the ways in which I do this in in my own life is uh, I simply partake in my hobbies, right? Play basketball. We yeah. do some kickboxing classes, those kind of things, and those are filled with non Christians. And so we intentionally do activities that we enjoy. So yeah. it's not even something that I'm begrudgingly, oh, I got to go do this. But yeah. activities that I enjoy doing that just naturally surround me with people who um, don't know the Lord. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I actually had a friend once that told me that he likes to share the gospel while running. Um, I'm not in good enough shape to do that. But what he said, he was, he was a runner and he said that um, if you're, if you're the better runner of the two, then you go for a run and the other person's more out of breath than you. So you can do all the sharing yeah. and, you can, <laughs> and they just have to listen and run. So, but I feel like I'd have to get in much better shape and yeah. do that. So. Oh, I, I, I wouldn't be able to handle that. That's not in my abilities capacity right now. Um, so to the person also who asked specifically about in their job, do you have to share the gospel with every single person that comes across uh, your path? I would say, no, we don't have, um, we don't want to sort of legalize it and make it like that, that every single human being that you interact with or that comes past your uh, profession that you have to share the gospel with. Uh, I think you should listen for the leading of the Holy Spirit and also look for the opportunity. Yeah. Um, if you're sitting, and I've found this in my own life, that if I'm sitting with somebody and I'm asking myself, oh man, should I share the gospel? Do I have to? Can I walk away? Um, that probably means you should, right? Mm-hmm. It means that there's yeah. probably an opportunity. I know for me in a job I used to work, um, where I worked in the trades uh, every day, I would we would have a lot of time in the truck. We were driving to and from a job site, and sometimes I'd be there with just one other guy and I'd be like, "All right, I've got you know half an hour here." to or from the job site to yeah. to share. This is probably a moment where I should say something like, "Hey." Do you go to church? What do you think about God? What do you think about Jesus? Uh, I think some of those openers are just a good way to get the conversation started and rolling. Absolutely. Cool. All right. We had a couple other questions in here. Very once, very specific one about the text that we talked about on Sunday. Who or what is the angel of the Lord mentioned in second Kings and in the old Testament? Good question. Yeah. 
You want to start us off? <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, that's one that uh, that I've gotten asked a good handful of times. I've thought about studying myself. Um, I think there's a few different options. Um, so the word angel is kind of also means like messenger. So it's somebody yep. who's speaking for the Lord. So I think we could say that it's either sort of the Lord's voice kind of coming out of uh, the air. We could say that it's an angel coming down and delivering a message, or we could also say that it's Jesus. Jesus yeah. Um, you know, we know that Jesus is, is God incarnate. And so it makes a lot of sense based on Jesus's role that um, if God's going to speak to somebody that, this is the pre-incarnate Jesus, um, right. that he's God's word. He's God's son. He comes and he speaks on behalf of God in the Old Testament. Before he takes on a body, he comes and speaks. So I think really any of those options work. Um, I tend well, to believe. That's, yeah. that's in, in Genesis, right, with Hagar, when the angel of the Lord comes. And, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that when the angel of the Lord comes, he actually speaks in the first person, right? Like, mm-hmm. I will. Mm-hmm. Uh, make your descendants yeah. money to Hagar when, you know, talking about Ishmael. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I think that's one instance where it's very clearly Jesus. Right? Yeah, totally. Well, so good. So props to the person who's, who's picking up on that and seeing that there is a distinct character in the Old Testament known as the angel of the Lord that mm-hmm. is maybe not just any angel, but is actually the pre-incarnate Jesus. Right. Uh, we only have hints at that. It doesn't come out and say that specifically, but I think that's a great observation. All right. Last question we've got here for us. When Pastor I was talking about the guy he was evangelizing to, but had questions he couldn't answer, what were some of the questions that Pastor Ryan wasn't able to answer at that time in his faith? Uh, I actually texted Pastor Ryan and asked him this question. So here's a couple okay. of things that, yeah. that he said. He said a lot of those questions had to do with proof or reasons for believing other than simply saying the Bible told me so. Um, and I can relate to that. I think early in my walk, too, I would sort of share the gospel with people and they would bring up objections about the age of the earth or about, um, you know, creation or about the existence of God or different proofs and arguments. And I wasn't prepared to be able to make um, some more scientific arguments or some maybe arguments about how to prove the validity of the Bible. I was able to maybe say, well, the Bible says this, but how to go back a step further and say, well, this is why the Bible is true. I remember I wasn't ready for those things. I think that's kind of what he's saying. Have you ever had any of those experiences? I, I have. I had one in particular stands out. It was actually when I was I was in the military and my wife and I were kind of we had walked away a little bit. We were kind of coming back and um, I just started evangelizing like crazy. Didn't have a clue what I was talking about. Um, I trust now that the Lord actually redeemed a lot of those conversations yeah. that I had early on. Um, but there was a, a tech sergeant that would really. Uh, hammer me on the validity of the scriptures. Mm. And this was at a point when I didn't even know there were multiple translations. I knew there was like the King James, the NIV, and that's about all I knew as far as translations go. And he just opened my eyes that there's like 50 plus, you know, that's the number he used. I don't know what I was at at the time. And, and I had no recourse. I had nothing to um, counter that mm. argument. Mm. And I remember that feeling um, specifically, and I think that's even why I'm so passionate about the scriptures now, right? Yeah. Um, because he challenged me so much early on about that, that I had to make sure, much like what Pastor Ryan was talking about, um, and even the gratefulness he now has for that experience. Um, I have that similar experience with yeah. this, this tech sergeant. Yeah. yeah. He, and he hammered me good. It was, yeah. it was not fun. I know. I've had those. I've walked away pretty discouraged and just feeling like, oh, man, what am I, what am I doing here? I don't, I don't mm-hmm. know what I'm doing. Um, but as Pastor Ryan shared on Sunday, 
you know, we don't have to, that can be a chance to drive us to further study and growth. It doesn't have to be a chance to just totally discourage us and wipe us That's out. Right. Um, if you're asking that question yourself, uh, why can I trust the Bible or how can I trust the Bible? I have a book I would recommend. It's a very short one. It's called Seven Reasons You Can Trust the Bible by Erwin Lutzer, L-U-T-Z-E-R, I believe. Uh, great little book. Um, yeah. Great answers in there. So awesome. Sweet. Awesome. Thanks, Pastor Aaron. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Great questions. Hope you have an awesome week. Thanks for listening to That's a Good Question. If you want to discover more resources from Peace Church, head to our website at peacechurch.cc. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. It helps us to get more gospel-centered, family-focused, and kingdom-minded resources to more people. You can find That's a Good Question at resoundmedia.cc or wherever you listen to podcasts.